Dearborn is a majority Arab-American city. And for many of the city's Arab and Muslim residents who have direct ties with the Middle East, the past 100-plus days have been horrific. To date, more than 26,000 people in Gaza have been killed by the Israeli state. Many people in Dearborn have called for an immediate ceasefire. The U.S. continues to support Israel. 100 days after the violence began, Biden released a statement with no mention of the Palestinians who have been killed. All this is happening against the backdrop of a big election year. Last week, Dearborn Mayor Abdullah Hamoud and some other leaders from the area declined an invitation to meet with Biden's re-election campaign officials. We want a president that doesn't back a genocide. We want a president that doesn't condone, support, fund, or defend the killing of innocent men, women, and children. That's a very low bar from our perspective. That's all we're asking for. Today, we're talking with Mayor Hamoud about the Dearborn voting bloc, what's changed, what hasn't, and what he hopes for the future. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Mayor Hamoud, thank you for speaking with us. Thank you so much for having me. Can you talk a little bit about what impact the the war in Gaza has had on folks in the community. What what are the kinds of conversations that have been happening over the past few months as folks have come to you and, and shared what they're feeling? It's very personal for people here in Dearborn. I mean, you have to imagine Dearborn is a beautifully diverse community that's home, home to many an immigrant or refugees, uh, many of which come from the Arab world, many of which lived under occupation, lived under apartheid. I mean, we have residents who have had grandmothers buried under the rubble from under the buildings bound by Israeli fighter jets who had to get dug out. We have residents who still have their booklets from when they lived under occupation, where IDF soldiers had to stamp, granting them permission to move freely about their own ancestral village. And so for us in Dearborn, it's very personal. For sure. And what kinds of messages do you hear from people? I mean, representing, uh, you know, at, at the at the mayor's office can mean a lot of things that have to do with city services. What kinds of things do people say when they talk about representation within the federal government right now? What what would they like to see happening? The one word I continually hear is betrayal. You know, we were promised a president who was uh, a decent man who understood what it was like to lose loved ones and who promised experience as it pertained to foreign policy. And what we're finding is America being drawn back into endless wars in the Middle East. And we had thought we had closed the book uh, on that nightmare. Um, but that's that's not what we're finding. Right now we see, you know, Dearborn is home to a large Lebanese, Yemeni, Syrian, Palestinian, Iraqi community. And in each one of those countries, we see bombs being dropped, soldiers being put on the ground. And we had thought we had come out of that post the Iraq war. What was Joe Biden's support like in Dearborn among Arab voters and among Muslim voters in 2020? It was north of 80 percent. And if you were to poll now and speak to voters from the polling that I have seen amongst Muslim American voters and Arab American voters, that support has fallen to the single digits. So what then was your reaction when you heard from the Biden campaign that they wanted to organize a meeting with some folks from Dearborn and, and also from Hamtramck? 
you know, we're coming north of, you know, 114 days now. And the mere fact that the first time the Biden administration thought to send a delegation to the city of Dearborn to have a conversation, but only sent campaign staff for us was dehumanizing. It made it clear that for the White House and the administration, they simply look at the Palestinian issue as a political calculation. Um, but for us, Palestinians are not measured in poll numbers. Their humanity demands action, not lip service. And the conversation we need to be having about how we change course needs to be had with policy staff and policymakers, not campaign staff. Right. Did you get a sense that the campaign knew that what they were asking was going to be a tough conversation? You know, I, I, I can no longer try to understand what they knew or what they don't know. Um, all I can say is, you know, it feels as if, though, this callousness has now become intentional. When you read the letter 100 days after uh, the tragic events, the horrific events of October 7th, um, and there's not a sole mention of Palestinians, the word is not even uh, written. There was no mention of 24,000 dead. Um, each time uh, John Kirby or Matthew Miller steps to the podium, there is a callousness as it pertains to the number of innocent men, women, and children who have lost their lives. They're, they're nothing more than casual, uh, casualty numbers. Um, we, we hear remarks um, such as that this is war and this more of this outcome is, is going to be expected. Uh, for us, it's now become intentional to dehumanize Arab lives and Muslim lives, um, and it's unacceptable. Would you say a little bit more about what would need to happen in in Dearborn for folks to feel like they're more than a political calculation right now? There has to be a change in policy. I mean, immediately, we have to be calling for a ceasefire. You know, I find it strange that it's 2024. And yet, you know, uh, a value statement of mine is I do not believe that any innocent man, woman or child should be murdered. Yet you have folks trying to present a qualifier to this statement. I believe that our American taxpayer dollars should not be used to fund and defend a genocide. Yet you find folk who have the audacity to say that calling for a ceasefire will somehow not lead uh, to uh, a, a diplomatic pathway. If we've seen anything in the last 110 days and counting, 113 days, it's actually only that diplomatic efforts have led to some positive developments. But the onslaught, the siege, um, the bombardment that is continuing has done nothing more but murder innocent men, women, and children. I don't want to drag you into a foreign policy conversation here, but at the same time, this question of whether or not Joe Biden is going to respond to some of the people who were important to his election, this picture has become complicated over the weekend by a drone attack that killed three U.S. service members, drones controlled by Iranian-backed militias that have have been, you know, trying to poke the bear, so to speak, and trying to draw the United States in further. And now Joe Biden is under pressure to, number one, respond in ways that will be true to U.S. interests. Number two, he's under that continuing pressure to do right by Israel, an ally that he still perceives as being part of U.S. interests. And C., he's being asked to respond to a truly horrific situation among Palestinian people. Do you think that there is a way for him to satisfy many these many interests at the same time? You know, we first have to say that it's an absolute tragedy uh, of the loss of our servicemen and women uh, overseas. And 
uh, condolences to their families who have to live with this uh, with this horror. Um, but it emphasizes the point that we should bring our soldiers home. President Biden has an opportunity to be a leader. And being a leader doesn't mean necessarily that you have to try to accommodate and appease all voting blocks or all residents across the Americas. It's the opportunity to make difficult decisions that are oftentimes the right ones. Um, and what we're hoping is that bring those soldiers home. You know, it's also important to say that there is no congressional approval or authorization to have these soldiers that we have on the ground across the Middle East and North Africa. And one has to beg the question, what are they doing there in the first place? Let's bring our soldiers home. Let's protect uh, our soldiers by bringing them home, protecting their livelihoods, protecting their families. There's no reason for us to continue down this pathway of leading America into endless wars in the Middle East. We saw what resulted in that post 9-11, the awful and the horrific Iraq war. Let's not repeat that mistake again. We need to take a break. More with Dearborn Mayor Abdullah Hamoud in a moment. We'll be right back. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from the University of Michigan's Go Blue Guarantee, committed to keeping a U of M undergraduate education within reach of all Michigan residents, regardless of socioeconomic status. Programs are available for all three campuses. More at goblueguarantee.umich.edu. Support for Michigan Public's Stateside Podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Mayor Hamoud, are you finding it more difficult to to call yourself a part of the Democratic Party these days, given the way that that President Biden and at least you know at least many members of the leadership within the House and the Senate, the stances that they have taken on what's happening right now, is this still a party that stands for what you stand for? You know, I I, I try to. Um... I try to, to the best of my ability, assess the Democratic Party based on the the platforms and the policies they put forward and the value system that they say that they abide by. But growing up as a Muslim Arab American, it's always been difficult. You know, they like to be the big umbrella, the big tent party. But what it feels like is us Muslim Americans, Arab Americans are often put at the edge of that tent and that umbrella. So when it rains, we're the first to get splashed on. We're the first day I kind of pushed out as the middle grows. Um, and, and it really is getting difficult. I mean, it's it's the Democratic leadership is in disarray. But what gives me hope is that this is not the opinion of the majority of folks who claim to be Democrats across the country. If you look at polling numbers, over 80 percent of Democrats support a ceasefire. Yet that's not what's reflected in the leadership of this party. And so what I would say is the problem is with the leadership. It's not with the American residents across this nation. As a leader within the city, do you see voters becoming disillusioned about the political landscape overall? I would be lying if I didn't say that Muslim Americans and Arab Americans weren't always disillusioned. But absolutely, in this moment in time where we see history repeating itself with endless war, where we see dehumanization of who we are, 
um, it is hard, you know, to, to to try to explain why they should not give up, why they should come out and still vote, why they should not just sit this one out. Um, but that's the conversations that are being right had right had right now across the city. I don't know if you actually uh, if you were actually in contact with folks with the Biden campaign who were seeking a meeting with folks from Southeast Michigan and Dearborn to begin with. Do you feel like the Biden campaign took away the message that you're hoping for from the cancellation of the meeting? I don't know. One can only hope and pray. You know, we often hear in the media that, um, you know, the threat of a Trump reelection, the demise of American democracy if Trump were to be reelected. And what we're hearing now is Arab Americans, Muslim Americans, is how dare you not consider voting for Biden, given that Trump was the author of the Muslim ban. Um, but our message is, you know, having even have been a candidate who has run for office four times now, the onus is on the candidate to demonstrate to the constituents that they want to represent what they will do to earn their trust, respect, and vote. The onus is not on us as the voters of having to choose between the lesser of two evils. Yeah. You mentioned the disillusionment that a lot of Arab voters and Muslim voters have felt over the years. What do you say to people when when they express that kind of disillusionment to you? What do you tell them about the political process? I tell them that the worst thing you can do is disengage. I firmly believe that if you want change, we have to make our voices heard. We have to continually protest, organize, come out, um, and rally the vote, even if that means uh, 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 voting for more local offices and straying away from candidates who don't support the value system that we're putting forward. Um, I th still think it's important. And I also emphasize the importance of local elections. You know, uh, I'm in a nonpartisan position, but still voting for folks at the mayor level, the city council level, the state house, state senate, the county, those are all still extremely important positions. So let's not cast a wide net. Yes, we can be uh, disappointed and feel disenfranchised by those running for president right? and even those running for U.S. Senate. I think that's another seat that's on the chopping block. But let's look at everything else down ballot and make sure that our voices are still heard and that we're advocating for the causes we care for. Do you think there are things that Arab American citizens and Muslim American citizens have to contribute in this moment that might not otherwise be part of the dialogue? The message I have is if people want to understand the perspective of the Muslim American community, of the Arab American community, one that is very personal, we have the first person narrative, we have the first hand accounts. I just ask people to come sit down and have the conversation and listen to our stories. We're not a community that has to wonder what it's like overseas. We've lived through it. And if you think of the city of Dearborn, a city that is home to a large uh, Lebanese community, Iraqi community, Yemeni community, and so on, in each one of those nations, it was either civil strife or poor for foreign policy decision-making that led to a migration here to the States. And so we know what it's like. And what we're asking for now, we're a mature enough community where you can put the pen in our hands and collectively we can co-govern and write together the policy to help move this nation forward. Abdullah Hamoud is the mayor of the city of Dearborn. Abdullah, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, April. That's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's pod episode was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. 
Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Cabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our interns are Olivia Meradian and Laura Neong. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions and also from Audio Network. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>